0: Hello, Radio Family. This is Dr. Derek Greer. Due to the COVID crisis, our already crazy schedules have shot through the roof. But in particular, please pray for pastors and church staffs as we navigate through this incredibly difficult season. You know, our government has pledged to graciously support many businesses in this crisis, but churches are are largely on our own. And if we don't support God's voice in our communities, no one else will. So don't forget your local church. Lastly, I want to remind you that God has not given us a spirit of fear. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He loves you. And my Bible says he will keep you as the apple of his eye. There's nothing ahead of you that's bigger than the God that lives on the inside of you. In times like these, it's really vital that we keep our hearts full of God's Word. So if you want to hear faith-filled messages or get a copy of me reading through all the healing scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, go to gracechurchva.org for free downloads. I love you, and our only goal is to help keep you strong. God bless you.
1: We are excited to announce the Live Big Television Broadcast is back on BET on Sundays at 7 a.m. There are a few other changes, so visit DerekGreer.com to view the full broadcast schedule and much more. You were made to
0: think big, do big, live big. But tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow. Let the world overflow, yeah. live my life are for greatness
1: you've tuned in to the live big broadcast with Derek Greer, pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries Virginia God's word is powerful and full of life it opens your eyes to how big God is and how big life in him can be. We pray that today's teaching compels you to grow and live a life bigger than yourself. Download this message and more at gracechurchva.org. Here's Dr. Greer with today's Live Big message.
0: Father, we thank you for the privilege of being alive this morning, the privilege of hearing your word. Instruct us, guide us, encourage us, and we give you all the honor for it. And the church says, Amen. amen. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 12, Acts chapter 12 beginning with the first verse about that time this is about 10 years or so after the resurrection of jesus herod the king this is the grandson of the uh great herod or herod the great the the lunatic crazy guy that uh killed all the the kids in bethlehem he was uh nephew of Herod Antipas who had killed John the Baptist. And uh, this guy had, uh, or th- th- this uh, Herod here had uh, a hating and opposing the will of God uh, in his bloodline. The scripture says, he laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. The general strategy of uh, Herod and the Jewish leaders at this time was to go after the leaders, but it wasn't limited to the leaders. Wherever Herod's soldiers found anyone that uh, called on the name of Jesus, followers of the way, they would abuse them and uh, beat them and, and hurt them and sometimes even imprison them. But their main strategy, though, was to go after uh, the head. And, and typically when you cut off the head, the body dies. And and uh, they understood this, so they went for the the leaders amongst the uh, apostles. It says here he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. This is the James that is one of the twelve. This is the James that was in the inner circle. Typically, when Jesus did a miracle uh, of, of significance, he would tell the other nine to to either wait down the hill or at the transfiguration or other times. He went up to, to raise a girl from the dead. He said, you got nine guys, stay out there. I'm taking three with me. And it was James, John, and Peter. And James was part of this inner circle. And it says here, when Herod, in verse 3, saw that it pleased the Jews. This was pure political opportunism. It was p- political theater here. He had already murdered James. Now he's proceeding, or proceeding to arrest Peter also. And this was the time of the Days of Unleavened Bread. It was high religious season. Uh, Jerusalem was filled with people, and Satan was going for maximum psychological impact. Jesus, of course, had been murdered. James had just been recently murdered. Why should P- P- Peter or the people of God think that uh, the circumstance would be any different here for Peter? verse 91 of Psalms, or actually 91 verse 7 of Psalms, I'm going to explain to you why Peter had a very different attitude. I want to explain to you why the people of God could expect a different outcome for Peter in this situation. David says by the Holy Spirit, a thousand may fall at your side. David was a warrior. This was not just something, you know, in a little Bible verse he read and, and pulled out when he was stuck in traffic or something like this. This guy, I mean, he, he, he would be in the middle of war, in the middle of battle, and he'd he reflect upon this, this statement the Lord gave him, and, and, and this was his heart, and this is the way he managed his affairs. He said, though a thousand may fall at your side, a thousand fighting men could die on the field, but David, you're going to be all right. This was God's word. To David then it goes on imagine the unthinkable now a thousand men you could expect that to happen in wartime but 10,000 men can 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 totally undermine an army He said even though 10,000 men at your right hand the right hand represents the strongest the most brilliant the the fiercest fighters in the battle though 10,000 of these men die in the battle David you're gonna be all right But it will not come near you. Where do you get such confidence from? A thousand here, ten thousand here, but it's not going to happen to me. How, how do you? The only way you act like that is when you heard from God. And if you're familiar with the 91st Psalm, is he who dwelled in the shelter of the Most High. Shall abide under the wing of the shelter. And goes on and makes some promises to that individual. And he says, listen. To the individual that will make me his dwelling place, a thousand may fall. You say, 10,000, Right? it will not come near you, though. So, you know, a lot of things are going to happen to people in the world. But as far as I'm concerned, me and my house, we're going to be all right. Why? Because I'm being presumptuous. No. Because I've heard from God. John 21 and verse 18, I want you to understand Why Peter was able to sleep between these two soldiers on the night that he was to be murdered. It wasn't presumption. It wasn't him just trying to have faith. Peter understood something and had a word over his life. Let's take a look at a conversation between Peter and Jesus right before the ascension. Verse 17 of John 21. Jesus said to Peter a third time, and you're all familiar with this passage, Simon or or Peter, that was Simon's uh, uh, name before Jesus renamed him the rock. Simon, son of John, typically Jesus called him Simon when he had backslidden in some way. And how many know he had just betrayed the Lord and denied him three times, and he, in effect, had backslidden? So Jesus goes back to calling him the name that he was or had before he met him. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you what? Love me. How many of you recognize this is a private and personal conversation between Peter and Jesus? How many of you see this? And then in verse 18, Jesus makes it very clear. I'm not talking to all y'all, I'm talking to Peter. He said, Truly I say to you, Simon, Peter, you know what's funny? Even when you're backslidden, God knows your name. Even if it's not the name He wants to call you, He knows how to reach you and what to, you know, how to get a hold of you. It's just, it's just amazing. He said, truly, I say to you, who's you? Peter. Peter, when you were young, you used to dress yourself. Now, this is strange language because we don't wear long flowing gowns. But literally in the the, the literal language here in the Greek, he's saying you literally girded yourself. And, you know, when you have a a long flowing gown, how many ladies know it's hard to run in a dress? What do you have to do with a dress to run, right? (laughs) Right. And what the men would do, they would have these long gowns, they would uh, kind of, I can't explain it all, but uh, they, they'd wrap it up and tie it up somehow around th- th- their waist. But all of us have really had this experience. If, if you remember when you were a kid, when you were playing basketball and maybe uh, uh, about to run a race, uh, uh, you didn't want to throw your jacket down on the ground, what did you do? Tie it around your waist and you ran. So he was really, he was saying here, he said, when you were young, you had your jacket tied around your waist. Man, you were moving and grooving, you were doing your thing, and, and you were making it happen. And, uh, but, but I want to tell you something, I'm going to mature you. And remember, when you heard that I was going to die, you cut off that guy's ear and you wanted to fight and all the rest of this stuff. And, and then when you saw them beat me, you know, you, you backed away and betrayed me, You know, the years are going to, going to serve you well, and I'm going to mature you so that you can handle the thing that you rejected in your youth. Are you with me? He said, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and you walked wherever you 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 wanted and uh, but when you are what old when you finally grow up when I have enough time to mature you and season you there's going to be a shift in your life and instead of you wrapping your your waist to run like you did uh, again uh, when he was in Gethsemane they all ran away. You will instead stretch out your hands, just like they stretched out my hands. And another will dress you. You will no longer be the free-spirited Peter that wraps his jacket around his waist for fight or flight. Instead, when you age, I'm going to mature you to the place that you will submit to my process. He says, in this day others will carry you where you really don't want to go. Peter, I know you I know you, you. don't want to have to go this way, but when it's happened, you're going to let it happen. There's going to be no resistance. You're not going to cut anybody's ear. You're going to surrender to my purpose in your life. And then it goes on, there's a little parenthesis, a little parenthetical statement. This he said to show by what kind of death Peter was to glorify God. Now, all of us know that the historians say Peter was crucified in Rome, and he was crucified just as Jesus predicted. He stressed out his arms and he was crucified like Christ with one exception or one twist. When it came time for Peter to be killed the cross and all that stuff was ready for him but he asked his executioners for a final request. He said you know what I'm not worthy to be crucified like my master so he's not running anymore is he? Nobody's ears been cut off. He wasn't like James. He didn't call down fire from heaven. He's an older man now. He has run his course and, and ran his race. He said, I'm, I'm not worthy of that. So what I want you to do is when you crucify me, crucify me upside down. Wow. Even in his old age, Peter had some swag. You hear what I'm saying? He ain't never changed. Verse 21, when Peter saw him, now the hymn here, we skipped a little bit. He's talking about John who was eaves- eavesdropping on him and Jesus' conversation. He saw John trying to hear what was being said, and he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Now, I'm going to be crucified, but what's going to happen to him? And Jesus said to him, basically, it is none of your business, Peter. What I do with him is between him and me. What I do with you is between you and me. You know, some of us need to learn to mind our own business. You hear what I'm saying? And, you know, we love everybody. We're part of the same family. But what's happening with everybody else is not necessarily your business. Handle your business, run your race, do what God's called you to do. Stop minding everybody else's. Are you with me? Jesus looks at him and he speaks in the inimitable way that Christ always speaks. He said, listen, if it's my will that he remain until I come, it's not a competition who, who dies the most glorious, Peter. What is that to you? Peter, what goes on with everybody else is none of your concern. Peter, the issue is the word I just placed over your life. Don't be concerned about what God is saying in everybody else's life. Find out what God is saying in your life. Fight your fight. Run your race. Do your thing as God has called you and equipped you. And then Jesus said to him, Peter, all your job is really just follow me. Just do what I tell you to do. But I want want you to notice something before we go to Acts 12, because only as you understand this part of the scripture will you understand Acts 12. Jesus said in verse, uh, I think 18, But when you are old, you are what? Stretch out your hands. When would this happen? So he not only told him how he would die, Jesus told him when he would die. Now let's go to Acts 12 and verse 4. And saints, you need to get a word over your life. And when you do, you'll behave like Peter in your crisis. Acts 12 and verse 4. And when he had seized, speaking of Herod, Peter, he put him in prison, delivering over to four squads of soldiers to guard him. And you think you have problems. Uh, Imagine being handcuffed to an individual whose only aim in life was to watch you die. The last time I preached this, a woman yelled out in the congregation, that sounds like my marriage. (laughs) But Peter was handcuffed. To an individual whose only goal in life was to watch him die, you think you have problems. (laughs) Intending after the Passover to bring Peter out to the people, Herod's goal was to publicly humiliate the church, Peter, he wanted to make an example and spectacle of the lead apostle He wanted to strike fear into the hearts of everyone watching. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And as we said before in this portion of Scripture, this was not a sleepy prayer meeting. People got down to business with God. But you see, the difference here is they had a word to stand on. The church had read the end of John. They knew what God said, and we have to learn to pray God's word. The church prayed earnestly. Actually, the literal language there speaks of full extension, just like your arm being fully extended. And the church fully engaged themselves and extended themselves. And they said, listen, what happened with James, we don't want to happen with our Peter." Last time we kind of just trusted, you know, James is anointed. James is really anointed, so God's going to keep him. But but, but now we, we kind of learned a lesson that it might take more than just a person's anointing to keep him. It might require some prayer. And when, I don't care how anointed you are, you need people praying for you, pulling for you in your life. Are you hearing me? The TV preacher is not enough. You need someone you can call up on the phone and say, I'm in trouble. Can you help me? And you know that they're going to call in that name above every name and call out your name before God. It's very, very important. That you have such relationships where people will go to God on your behalf. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out, now, you kind of have to look at the text for a little bit to really understand what happened. But uh, it started, you know, during the feast, and, and now he's about to be brought out, Passover, Passover which means seven days of prayer had had, had gone by and there was no change in Peter's circumstance. What do you do when circumstances don't change and you've already prayed for seven days? I'll tell you what you do, you don't give up. But on that very night, after days of prayer, don't give up too soon. Peter was worried and anxious. Oh, my God, my wife's about to become a widow. Peter was married. I don't care what you read. Anyway, the Bible said that Jesus healed Peter's uh, a mother-in-law. You don't have a mother-in-law unless you have a wife. <laughs> so Peter was married. And what happens to married people? They have babies, particularly in the Jewish culture. So the odds are he had children. So listen, if I'm going to die and I know it the next day, I'm thinking about my wife. She's about to become a widow. I'm thinking about my children. They're about to become fatherless. Peter, you know, he cares about his family just like everyone else. The church was going to be without its, one of its senior apostles. The scripture says on the night before he was killed, any day it could happen. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. How do you rest? How do you sleep in such a circumstance? When you have a word over your life. John 21 and 18 said, Peter, when you were old. The problem was, now Peter wasn't always the brightest tool, you know, in the shed. But Peter understood what the Lord meant. Jesus said, when you are old, the problem was Peter wasn't old yet. And because of that, it was, he was too young to die. On top of that, Herod did not have the, the power to crucify. Jesus had to be handed over to the Romans in order for Jesus to be crucified. And at this particular point in history, there wasn't that same handing over as happened, you know, uh, a few years back with, with Jesus and the rest. There were no, no grounds. And, and by the way, uh, 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 Pilate was still a little bit sour about what happened at the cross. He wasn't excited about this. His wife came in with a dream and, and it was like, you know, I washed my hands of this. He wasn't, he wasn't going to be, you know, quickly manipulated the way he was last time. So Peter understood this and he said, well, Jesus told me that when I'm old I would die but he also said I'd be crucified and there's no way Pilate's going to go for this again so not only am I too young to die they can't kill me the way the master said you see when you have a word over your situation a word over your circumstances you can rest when other people be up wringing their hands You can rest and be at ease when everyone else be pulling out their hair. Acts 12 and 6. Peter was sleeping deeply, we're about to discover, between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. This man was not just bound, he was guarded. I mean, Many of us, you're bound with various things, but on top of you being bound, you got demons in your life. You have uh, hideous personalities that hate you, ma- ma- malicious beings that, that want to do everything to keep you and watch you die and die slowly if they can have it their way. But it says that he was bound but also guarded. And no matter what has you bound this morning, whether it's pornography, Whether it's drugs, whether it's fear, bitterness, unforgiveness, I want you to watch in this next verse what God can do. Because if he can deliver a literal man from literal chains in a literal prison with literal Roman soldiers, what is your addiction to the almighty God? It said, and behold, or pay attention to this, watch this. An angel of the Lord stood next to Peter. There is no prison that God's power cannot break into to break you out of. There's just not a prison that exists that God can't get his people out of, particularly those who have a word over their lives. The issue is not what's binding you, but who's next to you in that spot.
1: Get directions, service times, and much more at gracechurchva.org. That's our time for today. Join us weekdays at this time for the teaching ministry of Dr. Derek Greer. And remember, until next time, live big.
0: There's a lot going on surrounding the coronavirus, and, and while we should be cautious and use wisdom, we must fight against living in fear. In times of crisis, you know, stress can wreak havoc in our minds and bodies if we let it. Don't get me wrong, fear is a natural emotion, but through God's Word, we have power to overcome it. 1 Peter 5 and 7 teaches us to give all our worries and cares to Him because He cares for us. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 reminds us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Sometimes there's nothing you can do to control your situation. But in times like this, we look to what God has put in us to overcome what's around us. And I want to encourage you to build your faith and find peace in God's word. Go to GraceChurchVA.org to listen to my latest series titled No Fear. Also, get a copy of me reading all of the healing scriptures in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation as a free download. I love you. I'm praying for you. And we will get through this together.